Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. After a long and arduous season, many people at Home Park are on their summer breaks now, hence a rather quiet time for the Pilgrims. But your trusted Herald writers are working hard and here with me for another edition of Argyle Chat. So joining me today are Chris Arrington, Baron Cross and Jack Ball. Hi guys. Good morning. How's you? Uh, plenty of readers' questions, so thanks to you out there who took the time out to send some in. Uh, we'll start with one from Luke, who wants to talk about Argyle's latest new signing, Ruben Ramirez. Chris, you've been looking at the guy. What can you tell us about him? Uh, Portuguese, 22 years old, um, been at Coventry City for the last couple of years. Prior to that, he was at uh, Tottenham Hotspur. He, he came through the youth academy there. Um, I think his family moved to... To London when he was quite young so he's uh, he's well used to, to English football um, Andy Turner is a guy that covers uh, Coventry City for the for the Telegraph up in Coventry I've known him for for quite a while and he's a good uh, expert on football and I was interested to see his comments about Lemires and uh, he said that you know he's, he's a very um, technically gifted ball player whose best position is the number 10 role and obviously that's got people talking in terms of number 10 role because Argyle had a pretty good number 10 the last couple of seasons. Um, 22, you know, he's played 60, 70 games for Coventry. Um, hasn't scored as many goals as he should have done by all accounts, but, you know, he's got goal-scoring potential. Uh, his age, with his background and, and playing in League One with a team that's hopefully up, hopefully, upperly mobile. Um, on, the, on paper, and signings aren't on paper, but on paper that looks a pretty decent signing to me. Yeah. Uh, Chris alluded to it. To it a little bit there, Jack, um, about the number 10. Obviously, Graham Carey is the, the player Chris is referring to indirectly. Yep. Yes. Um, do you think he's going to be Graham Carey's replacement? I can understand why people are talking about that, but it's not exactly unlike Derek Hamster to sign a player and possibly move his position a little bit. You know, you've had Jordan Slew, Jake Jervis, Sarsavich as well. Yes, Sarsavich. So, who knows? It'll get people talking. People want Graham Carey to stay. I think the longer people are waiting, the more likely he is to go. People will be thinking. Uh, we're all waiting for the news, and it'll be interesting to see over the coming weeks. But I wouldn't def- necessarily say just because he signed someone that likes to play in that position, it's a foregone conclusion. Darren? Yeah, I'm sure Adams isn't going to panic um, if Graham Carey does decide to stay and he realises he's got two number 10s in his squad. I mean, worst case scenario, it's pretty good for strength and depth, isn't it? And it looks as if Lemiris can play on either flank. Chris addressed that in the, in his early articles about the, the Portuguese player that, like a lot of Adams' signs, he's quite versatile. He can play in any one of those three slots behind the striker. So I'm sure Derek is going to have all eventualities covered, isn't he? I mean, like I say, worst case, Lemiris is a second choice to carry. puts a bit of pressure on him. Best case, he's got a, he's got a decent replacement there, perhaps. I mean, who, who knows who else Adams might go out and sign? I mean, we, we don't know what he's got planned for Lemiris. I mean, he might even plan for, for the flanks rather than in the middle. So... We'll have to wait and see, but unfortunately, it's too early to tell, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it could be, you know, we're, we're all saying, could he be Graham Carey's replacement? Could he be Craig Tanner's replacement? Yeah, who obviously has been, been on loan the last yeah. couple of seasons. Craig Tanner could play out wide, could play in the number ten when mm. he needed to. So, you know, it's, it's difficult to tell until we we know what's going to happen with with Graham Carey. But you know, Craig Tanner's not going to be at home park, so is Ruben Lemaire's sort of straight spot for him. Time will tell. I'm going to put you guys on the spot now because uh, we've had quite a few people that are asking what's happening with Graham Carey and of course we'll you know let people know as soon as we mm. know of course. Um, the fact that it is dragging out a little bit Chris is is that why people are, are concerned that he is going to leave home park? Or? 
Uh, well, I think people are, are, are concerned that, that he's going to leave. Um, I, I wouldn't read too much into the, the, the length of time it takes. Um, best guess is that, you know, Carey and his agent are assessing all the options that are out there, seeing what offers they get. Uh, they've got one on the table from Argyle, so that's a good position to be in. See what comes up. Um, I think it's quite interesting that the, there's not been many rumours, leaks, speculation stories about Graham Carey. Everyone knows how good a player he is. Mm. And I think I might have expected one or two more stories linking him with, with people. Um, it's been very quiet, and I think that's, that's interesting. Um, so if you're going to push me, I, I, I think... You know, I, I would think that a championship club might make an offer for him, but I've got nothing to base that on. Um, if a championship club doesn't make an offer for him, um, I think Argyle are, are well in the game. Well in the game, because you know he, he likes the area, he likes the manager, likes the fans. He's well regarded at the club. Um, so my best guess is that they're just leaving their options open, although hard as it might seem, uh, hard as it might seem to believe, it's uh, two weeks on Wednesday and pre-season training starts. Mm. So you would imagine that we'll get a decision within the next week or two at the very latest. There's there's no guarantee as well, Jack, that Graham Carey's not already given his word to Argyle. And of course, Argyle are not going to come out and say, oh yeah, he said he's going to sign off, especially <laughs> after <laughs> what happened last year with uh, Carl McHugh. Yeah, no, but I, to be fair, I, I agree with Chris. I think you, any person in that position would wear their options, wouldn't they? If he's got on the table and I also agree with Chris as well that I can't see many League One clubs that could really better I don't think there's any huge League One clubs maybe Blackburn possibly but if a championship club came in for him then oh yeah I could see him weighing that up but he's got a good relationship with Derek Adams and that's played a big part in in him coming down here obviously and, and doing so well so if you've got faith in a manager sometimes you can be a great player but if you go to a team where the manager doesn't necessarily have faith and you don't have that bond it doesn't always work out so there's a lot to weigh up I think it's really on a knife edge. I think it's you know it could go either way, but I'm hoping it stays. But I have faith in Derek Adams that if he does go, that that I'll oh be fine. I don't I don't think any players bigger than the team. Yeah, there are a couple of clubs that have been linked. I think Bradford and Northampton was it. A couple of sort of League One clubs, but no no Championship clubs linked with Kerry. Yeah, Chris is right. It's, it's been suspiciously quiet, hasn't it? Um, I think you're playing a waiting game, aren't you? Now, I mean, I think when you look at what Graham Carey's wage demands would be and how well he's performed over the past couple of seasons surely a lower half championship club is going to see that take a punt now. when you when you work out how well he's done over the last couple of years and, and how expensive creative midfielders are going to be towards the, the higher half of the championship you've got to think that Carey's worth a punt from somebody I'd love him to stay but I, I can't see it myself you can't what, see, him, see him staying at home bar no I don't think so no. I think surely a championship club is going to, going to come in He's at that age as well now where he's probably going to have one more big move left in him, isn't it? This is the move to secure his family's short to medium-term future. He's never going to earn enough to retire on and sort of never work again, but this is the one that's going to really sort of sort his family out and and hopefully, if it is the championship, give him that that, that footing to go on and and achieve more in the game. I mean, who knows how far he can go if if he plays with with high-quality players. It's difficult, Stu, because we we don't know the length of contract that Argyle have offered. Now, if Argyle are offering him a two-year contract, you know, that's... I think if I go off him a three-year contract, that's what they should do and what they should have done. And if they've offered him a three-year contract, that gives him security. And if it's decent-ish money, then you know he's got a decision to make, hasn't he? So there's so many sort of things that are, are up in the air, and we're all interested and anxious to find out the outcome. And like I say, pre-season training is not that far away mm. now. So you know 
decisions will be need to be made uh, you know sooner rather than later. And also, he might be waiting to see what what sort of players Derek Adams going to attract in mm-hmm. League One. You know, that's going to be a big part of it. If he's ambitious and thinks, you know, we can have a crack at this next year, then that, I think that will play a part as well. Yeah, and of course, he would be a key player behind that. Yeah, uh, another player Argyle have been linked with is uh, Exeter City's Jamaican international Joel Grant. Can you see there being any truth in that one, Derek? It's interesting to see Derek Adams as either sign or being linked with a load of these attacking <laughs> midfielders. It's possible. I mean, it's, it's a stronger room than, than most of the ones we get on Twitter. I mean, this is one from the Football League paper, which is an established, uh, well-respected newspaper. So clearly, they've got it from somewhere. Um, we don't know where, but. Um, if that's the source, then I'd say it's more believable than most of them. I don't know much about Joel Grant. I've not seen much of Exeter City, so I, I couldn't see where he would fit in. I, from what I understand, he's, he's similar to Jake Jervis. I don't know if the guys have, have seen more Joel Grant than me, but I don't know much about him or where he's Yeah, I mean, he, he does strike me as very much as a Jake Jervis, Jordan Slew type, who you know could quite easily play down the middle, yeah. but has, has tended to play more out wide. Um, it's the sort of player that Derek Adams looks for, isn't it? But with Ainsworth and Ramirez already on board, I wouldn't have thought it's like top priority. Um, we'll see, but for all we know, it's just been Adams making a call to an agent and saying how much is, is he going to be asking for. And that Absolutely, and you know, mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for for agents to try and get their players' names out and about and uh, generate a bit of interest. And and Derek Adams will have a very long list of people he's interested in now. Joel Grant might well be one of those ones that's on the list, but we don't know how close to the top of a very long list he's, he's at. So, um, again, you know, there's not been that much speculation though. If you if you really look at it, um, I spoke to Martin Starnes last week, and, and he said, you know, that the the word in the in the football league was that how quiet things have been, and uh, you know, when you don't have a, a World Cup or a European Championships or something like that, sometimes you think there might be a bit more speculation going around because there's nothing else to take. It's filling the vacuum, but it's it's you know apart from as Martin Starn said Mansfield Town and League Two, signing <laughs> virtually every player going, there are very few deals, um, and that will change. You know we're coming towards in all players contracts last until the end of June. Yeah. So even if you're released by a club, you are paid mm. your June salary. Once you get to the end of the June, things change. So it's that end of June, first week in July. With pre-season starting earlier and earlier, it seems to me. I can't believe pre-season starting June the 28th, for example, for yeah. Argyle. But, you know, we've, things are going to start moving. You know, it might be a little bit quiet this week, but I, I, I can't believe that next week, the week after, things are really going to start uh, taking shape. And I, I do think we're at a stage as well where, where footballers do go away and literally shut down. Yes, you always think about the options yeah. that you have. Yeah. You know, nine months of solid, hard training, five, six days a week is, mm. you know... It's, Mentally, going to take its toll. So, and also, a lot of them away well. from their families as well, aren't they? Yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's important for them to have family time to rest a bit. You know, we you know it's like for, for us journalists, we go home sometimes and we just want to switch off from all the all the, all the, the, the news, as it were. And I'm sure footballers mm. are the same. They just want to go and just totally forget about everything, just enjoy family life before it all starts again yeah. in, in a few weeks. Absolutely. Another player being linked is uh, Greg Wilde, another another attacking player. Um, Greg, uh, Gary Palmer, sorry. Um, do you think Greg Wilde's return to Argyle will happen? And if it did, do you think he would merely be a squad player, especially with the players that the club have already signed? Chris, do you see Greg Wilde returning to home park? I can see why there's the link. Um, but I think Lionel Ainsworth looks like a Greg Wilde to me. So, um, no, I don't think it will. Jack? No, uh, uh, David spoke to Greg a few weeks ago and. He asked him whether, there was a lot of talk about whether Greg would come back in January and end up going to Northampton on loan. 
and Greg said he never had any contact with Derek Hamilton, despite Derek admitting that he was possibly interested in, in the November, I think it was. So if he didn't contact him, I don't see him really contacting him now. If he did arrive back, yeah, I think he could be a good, good squad player. I wouldn't mind to see him on the bench. I think he's got plenty of pace. His crossing could definitely do some work, but that's part of coaching, isn't it? That's part of trying to make a player better. But overall, no, I don't, I don't think he'll be back. I spoke to him yesterday and he said that there was nothing in it. So, I mean, he's put a picture on Instagram. It's a picture of him playing for Argyle uh, in this day and age. Like we say, filling the vacuum. People like creating speculation. Fans were going mad for it on Facebook and Twitter. So, I saw it, put a call into him. Michael put it to bed straight away. We had his Greg's number, so you get in touch with him. And he said straight away, there's nothing in it. You know, it's just a picture of him playing football. You know, he just wants to put something on his social media account. So... You have to take him at his word. I mean, um, he said there was nothing on the table. He sounded quite genuine to me, so I think it's, it's nothing more than a social media post. Okay. Moving on then, Ross Moses is saying, uh, or asking, I should say, as Derek Adams is known for playing a 4-5-1, do you think he made the right decision in releasing Ryan Brum? Chris? Um, it's a difficult one with Ryan Brum because, you know, he, he did so well that season before his injury. And... That was probably the best season of his career and it was a shame that he got the injury. It's a difficult one when you're out for as long as Ryan's been out and Argyle have gone up a level as well. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one to say, well, OK, we're going to keep persevering. Um, I, I feel sorry for, sorry for Ryan that the, the situation has worked out the way it has, but I, I can see why Derek Adams has, has, has decided to move on and, and look at other players. Um, I think the one thing maybe with Ryan if, if he'd stayed at Argyle would he have been a regular first team player perhaps not I mean who knows but hopefully he can find himself a club where he can get some regular football on, under his belt and uh, make up for the time he's had out on the sidelines it must have been really dispiriting to be out for so long with, with such a bad injury and um, uh, I think you know his focus is on finding somewhere where he can go and play regular football Jack, would you have released Ryan Brunt? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I agree with absolutely everything that Chris has said. You know, Argyle gave him that year, uh, had that year last year, where um, he obviously was being paid when he was injured, didn't manage to make it back in time. You can't keep a player for years and years on the basis of, you know, empathy, really, or, or sympathy. He, he, as Chris said, Argyle went up to League One now. Is he a League One striker? Who, who knows? Is he, is he better than Ryan Taylor? I, I don't think so. So... Uh, it's better for him, as Chris said, to go out and get that regular first team football because if he's got another year at Argyle where he's on the bench and not playing, you're then looking at what two and a half seasons out with no football, and then you really are going to be struggling to find a team that's going to pick you up. Yeah, and Berenice, he's at that age where he needs first team football now. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I've, I can't really add much to what Chris and Chris and, and Jack have said. I mean, he's, he's been out for a long time. He needs to find football. He's probably not going to find it at a League One club like Plymouth Argyle that are strengthening by the week uh, as we head into the new season. So he needs to go out somewhere, go on a few trials, prove his fitness and get a club. And I think we all know a, a fit Ryan Brunt can score goals at League Two uh, in the right formation, the right tactical setup. So like I say, you can't be having another season sat on the bench, even if, if Derek was being sympathetic and gave him another year to prove himself. But he's just not going to do much for his career, I don't think. No. Moving on again, uh, John Snedden sent us a really interesting question. Uh, he's saying, why do professional footballers need agents? Why can't they do their own contract negotiating? We, as middle-class workers who do, do an honest day's work, have to run our own finances, so why can't they? These agents are all gravy trains that drain football clubs' resources. Financially, it could ruin a lot of clubs. 
We've seen how much some agents make on big transfers. The longer they hold out on the negotiations, the more money they end up making. I feel this has to stop. Baron, I'll come to you first. Oh, why? <laughs> it's, it's a good it's, point it's he makes, great, isn't he? And great, it's, uh, it's a really, really great, great argument. And I don't know where you start with it, to be honest. Um, why do they need agents? Well, I think footballers are very, very busy people. Uh, I think they've got a lot on their plates with uh, with the professional game and uh, the demands on the pitch. And I think if you can afford an agent, because obviously the agents will need to take certain payments from the footballers, if they can afford it, why wouldn't they have agents? Because it's basically taking another issue off their plate and dealing with it for them. Footballers are footballers, they're not businessmen, so going into contract negotiations, they can probably do their best. But um, if a chief executive or a chairman sees them coming, then they may not get the best deal that they thought they could. So they can trust agents who have got much more experience in getting them the best deal, give them peace of mind. And they've got somebody out there who's doing the legwork, going between clubs, maybe doing a bit of grovelling here and there. It allows the footballers to save face. Um, so I think that, I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's, it's time and, um, and business uh, acumen that footballers don't have. And I think whilst footballers can afford it, I mean, non-league players aren't going to have agents because they can't afford them. So professional footballers can, then why not? Why not have agents? Yeah. But I, I do agree with, with his other points, though. I mean, it's, uh, if we could do without them, then we would. But it's, it's just an extra. There's so much money in the game now. There's, there's everybody wanting their cut, isn't there? And they're, yeah. not, they're not going to go away quietly. Indeed, Jack. Yeah, I've seen I've seen plenty of arguments about this in, in the past, and it's it's an interesting point. You know, some people think that if the players want to hire an agent, they should pay them out of their cuts, and it shouldn't be a separate thing that comes out of club funding. That. Uh, it's tough. It's, it's the world we live in. As Baron said, you don't. Well, footballers not necessarily. You know, they live in this little bubble. You know, they, they educate. They, they come through the academy. They start playing for the first team. They probably don't know a lot about finances. I certainly don't know a lot about finances. And if I could afford to hire someone to help me negotiate some things, I probably would. You know, it's just. I understand why they do it. Is it is it frustrating for football clubs? Probably. Is it frustrating for footballers as a sport? Yeah. I mean, they take big chunks of money. We all see the sums, especially in the Premier League, how much they take. And as Barry said, it filters down the low down the leagues you get. Not, but not, not every agent's great, is it? You see footballers that agents say, oh no, don't, don't accept that club and get you a better deal and then left in limbo. Mm. So it's, it is what it is, really. Chris, there are some agents out there that are good for football. You know, they're, they're getting some of their players' moves perhaps they wouldn't have been able to get if they didn't have an agent. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing to bear in mind is that not all agents are, are representing Premier League players and taking huge sums of money from transfer deals and things like that. As, as, it, as with most things in football, when you get to, to League One and League Two levels, the, the, the amount of money swilling around isn't as great as some people might think. Um, the EFL always put out um, every six months the, um, the amount of money that football league clubs pay to agents in terms of um, player transactions and things like that. Now, in the Championship, there's some reasonably sizable sums of money involved, but it's quite clear when you get to League One and League Two that, that those money, monies seem to drop. I can't remember off the top of my head, I think the last time the figures were released, Argo were around about £50,000, £60,000 that they paid in agencies. It might have been a little bit less than that. So it's, it's not huge amounts. Um, you know, we all hear the stories about these Premier League players and and agents getting such a, a slice of uh, of the transfer fees and signing on fees and things like that. But I think agents, uh, as long as they're in it for the right motives, are important people. I mean, we move house. We don't do the negotiations ourselves, do we? If you move house, you get a, a solicitor conveyancer to do it for you. Um, I think somebody that specialises in dealing with contracts is, on your behalf is a sensible thing to do. Um, 
as is often the case in life, sometimes people take advantage. But I think that 90, 95% of, uh, of the agents out there will do a good job for their players. These guys, if they're lucky, are going to play till they're 35. And then they've got to get from 35 through for the rest of their working lives. Because as Baron rightly says, they're not going to retire on the money they own. So they need a good agent to represent them well when they're talking about contracts. Somebody that um, you know advises them. You know, in the sh they should be advisors. So you know, just think about you know getting them on um, educational courses, vocational courses, planning ahead for the future. Um, a good agent is not just about dealing with transfer negotiations. It's you know helping their client get the best out of his career, but also so that when the time comes where they have to hang up their boots. They've got a path going forward. So, um, and also a relationship between the agent and manager as well. If a manager mm. has a good relationship with an agent, yes. I'm thinking back to like Paul Surratt, for yes. example. Yeah, Argyle end up with players like Roman Lariu and, and David Freo. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't tell all agents with the brush that they're all greedy and just out to take money. Um, I know a couple of agents reasonably well, and um, they're just just like everyone else. They're they're, um, they're looking to make a living, but I, I wouldn't say that the, that that most of the people. That you come across in League One and League Two are just trying to rip clubs off and take money out of, out of, uh, out of football. There are, like in all things, a few sort of people that will, you know, bad apples. You could be, you could say, sort of thing. But um, no, I think they they do an important job. You know, when it comes to money and wages and things like that, if you can have somebody that can can stand your corner and stand your ground and make your case. I think that's a good thing because otherwise, you know, in the old days, you know, football clubs had all the power and they could tell tell players that this is what we're offering you, this is what you're going to get, and they didn't really have any power to to argue it. Now it is more of a negotiation, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Thanks for the question, though, John. That was a, yeah. a really good one. We thought. Mm. Uh, finally, then uh, a podcast regular, Michael Wonderly. How just how invaluable is Derek Adams to the future of the club, Darren? He's well, the key man, isn't he, Derek Adams? Yeah, no, 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 no one person is bigger than a football club, so he's important, but you know he's not the be-all and end-all. You know, Ken Fargal will be here after Derek Adams moves on. But as we all know, in the last two years, Derek Adams has worked miracles. You know, he's done absolutely fantastically with the money he's had. He's made it clear on a number of occasions that he hasn't had the biggest budget in League 2, and yet he's finished fifth and then second, going very close to the League 2 title. So he's very important, especially in the short term. I think... Because he's now a known quantity, I think we all know what we're getting with Derek Adams, and I think it's it's better the devil you know, isn't it? It's the fear of the unknown. If you were to move on, you don't know who you're going to get. You could get someone who does even better than Derek Adams, but given how well Adams has done, the likelihood is you get somebody who's not going to achieve as much as Derek has. So I think, given that he's a known quantity, you want to keep him for as long as you can, you know, because you can't see him surprisingly going off the edge of a cliff and, and suddenly performance is dropping and, and him his style not working. So I think he's. He's very, very valuable and very, very important to the football club. Um, so, I mean, it's quite an open-ended question. I mean, how long is a piece of string? I mean, I don't know how, to, how, how else Michael would want me to answer it. But yeah, he, he's important, but, you know, there's no one man big on the football club. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair point. You know, good managers come and go, bad managers come and go. Um, what the thing that, that I think we all like about Barry Adams is that he's not just interested in the first team. He's he sort of buys into and he's interested in all the things that goes on at the club. And there are managers in the past that have just been solely interested in the first team, 
Um, and I think it's a good thing for a, for a club like Argyle in the location they are in, with the, uh, the setup they've got, with the fan base that they've got, that they've got a manager in charge who is prepared to sort of have a say and wants to be involved in all the things that go on at the club. So um, he's very important uh, and you know hopefully he'll be at the club for, uh, for quite a while. I mean, as um, I think James Brent said earlier in the summer, you know, one of the reasons they... They, they put him on a four-year contract was because you know they see him being not just for the short term but for the medium term sort of thing so you know they'll want to um, try and build further blocks see how they go in League One next season and take it from there Jack I think you did a story last week with um, Derek Adams being linked with the Leeds job you were as well on the very long list of yeah. uh, potential names but I mean that, that's the thing now with, with the success he's had at Argyle his, his stock's starting to rise and he is going to get noted from championship clubs isn't he well as, as everyone says you know it's a sign that you're doing well when your players your manager you're linked to, to bigger and better clubs you know that are higher up in the, in the football league pyramid it, we've, we've all said over the last well I think year and a half really that we're surprised that Derek Adams has been linked more jobs that Graham Carey hasn't been linked to more clubs and you know as you the better you do the more you are linked but the thing that Derek Adams has done I think um, is he's developed trust with the majority of fans a lot of fans trust him I think the club are in safe hands with him at the helm and when the time does come where he leaves which inevitably will come at some point you'd like to think that he's leaving the club in a better position for his successor to come in it gives him a better chance of doing well so it's not, if when Derek Adams does leave the club like Baron said you're not going to know the club's going to dip or rise but he's leaving the club in a much better position than when, when he's arrived. found it and that will help whoever takes over Yeah, indeed well that's all we have time for this week a big thank you to Chris, Baron, and Jack for joining me on the podcast we'll be back again next week so be sure to join us then and thanks for your questions too we are always happy to hear from you and if you have any questions for our panel please tweet them to our Twitter account at heraldpafc or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.